0: Welcome to I'm Uncomfortable, I'm Vanessa and I'm Melissa and we've been friends since everybody's favorite time of life, puberty.
1: Like most people who thought cutting their own bangs was a good idea, we're professionals in feeling that itchy, cringy, out-of-place awkwardness. Join us as we unapologetically
0: explore the topics that make us cringe and how to be okay with it.
1: Now let's get uncomfortable. Welcome to another episode of I'm Uncomfortable. At the start of every episode, we share what's made us uncomfortable lately. And today we have someone to share in that uncomfortableness with us.
0: Yes, with us today, we have Shandine Cedar, a Navajo tribal member and clean tech and sustainability professional who is currently on sabbatical in New Zealand. Thank you for being with us today, Shandine. Do you wanna start us off by sharing your most recent uncomfortable moment?
2: Yeah, so I think, given that the election is coming up, as we all know, um, (laughs) (laughs) I think my most recent uncomfortable situations have been really trying to have the hard conversations around uh, political involvement, the election, voting, um, especially as an indigenous person, Um, for example, one of the conversations i had which is a totally valid stance is making the argument for native people to why they should um participate in a system that you know historically has not represented them has not Mm. um worked for them and also is just based on um you know white colonial imperialism it's it's just like a system that doesn't represent them so um, which is totally fair and valid. Um, I I, am total believer that we should all get out to vote and participate, but it's been kind of, yeah, definitely uncomfortable to have these really um, important feelings about something that's really important and kind of having that discourse. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's always a tough conversation. And I know, Vanessa, did you want to share your uncomfortable moment? Because it's kind of similar. It is
0: kind of similar. So my mom... I'm just gonna put it out there. I hope nobody hates me for it, but I mean, cause that's like the kind of election we're in, right? Um, so she became a Republican back when Republicans weren't as, I don't know, scary. Is that a bad word to use, as they are now, or they wasn't? They wasn't as extreme or polarizing. Um, and it was kind of like a. You know, no taxes and save the babies kind of platform that drew her in at the time. And so she Mm -hmm. just kind of has stayed Republican. And things have gotten obviously more and more crazy. I think a lot of people saw the debate and were like, what is happening? Mm. Who is this? Um, What's going on? Stop interrupting. Uh, But I've been talking to my mom about the upcoming election and trying to see where her head's at with the voting, because I was a little nervous that she would still vote for Trump Mm. just because of those built-in ideas around what the Republican Party was and not what it is now. And I've had a lot of uncomfortable conversations with her about how the party's interests don't really serve her and trying to help her understand that as an immigrant woman, it's not really for her. Um, But... Recently, we've gotten to the place of that she's just going to abstain from voting for president, Mm. which I was trying to say, like, well, what if everyone did that, Mom? What if everyone abstained from voting? So we're working on it, slow and steady. I'm at least glad that she's not going to vote for Trump in the upcoming election, because that's been kind of a battle between the two of us uh, that's been super uncomfortable recently.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You've you've talked about how you've had multiple conversations, and that's definitely progress from what I've heard from from your story. Gotta take the wins. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, mine. my uncomfortable situation seems obsolete right now because it's not related to these very, very important topics. That's but okay. I'm going to share it anyways. Yes. Um, maybe it'll uh, lighten the, the mood a little bit. <laughs> but I spontaneously or semi spontaneously biked 24 miles this past weekend. I hadn't biked such a long distance in. I don't think ever but I was really excited to get yeah to get my bike back from the shop I was like okay what is an activity that I can do that's still social distanced mm, yeah. and I can be outside in the outdoors get my exercise in I bought a bike from online on offer up and I needed to get it fixed so I got it fixed it was in the shop and then I was ex- excited so I went biking with my brother and and my cousins this past weekend and it's one of those re- relationships where we're like, I think we can go a little bit further. And then we ended up going 12 miles from, um, from if anyone's from the Los Angeles area, that's listening. I started at Torrance beach and went all the way to Marina del Rey, which is 12 miles out. And then far. we realized very quickly you that we need to a bike all the way back. That's where the car is. So yeah, very much. I was like, let's go for an AM bike ride. And then it ended up being, that was the only thing I did that day. So <laughs> I was just very exhausted. So, my body was uncomfortable afterwards for sure
2: <laughs> yeah there it sounds like that's maybe like type two fun you guys know the different types of fun like the kind that during it you don't enjoy it but afterwards you enjoy it and then um type one fun is like enjoying it at the time and after and then type three fun is like didn't enjoy it during it didn't don't need to do whatever so it sounds like that was more type two fun
1: Type two, definitely. Maybe a little bit of type one where I was like, okay, in the beginning, but once I hit like mile eight, I was like, hmm, decisions were made that I can't take back now. (laughs) But yeah, So yeah, so let's transition then over to the topics that we're going to be talking about. So actually, while while me and Vanessa were planning our episodes for the month of October, we saw that Columbus Day on our calendars showed up. And I actually mentioned to Vanessa at the time that I had previously crossed it out to instead say Indigenous Peoples Day. And we realized that, you know, while our echo chambers in which we, me and Vanessa exist, have reclaimed this national holiday as Indigenous Peoples Day, we realized that we were still uncomfortable with the topic of in, talking about indigenous communities, mainly because we acknowledged that we had a lot to learn. Um, which brings us to our guest, you, Shandine. <laughs> I know that I know Vanessa shared a brief introduction, but can you give our audience a few more details about yourself?
2: Yes. So do So thank you and hello. Thanks so much for having me on the pod. Um, so my. Yes. My name is Shondine and I'm originally from northern Arizona, I'm a tribal member of the Navajo Nation. Um, today I'm calling from beautiful Kaikora, New Zealand, where I've been for the past 10 months on this hybrid sabbatical adventure trip with my partner. Um, and we actually bought a tiny van and have been working remotely from it for the, um, since January. Um, but um, so that's kind of just a whole other story in itself because of COVID and all, all craziness that's been happening in the States and being kind of an expat abroad mm-hmm. at this time has been really interesting. Um, but it, um, in a nutshell, you know, for the past six years, I've been working in the clean tech and sustainability sector at a company um, most recently called Green Biz Group in Oakland, California. Um, for the fa- past four years I've been involved in an organization called natives outdoors um, working to elevate native and indigenous people in the outdoor industry which as you know we all know it's a you know very um, not as diverse very white industry that um, you know just right. needs some diversity inclusion and equity work there um, and then recently I've had the opportunity to um, wear a new hat working as a project manager for the rural Utah project, rural Arizona project, helping get the native vote out in Battle State, Arizona. Um, So that's kind of just in a nutshell what I've been up to. um, And yeah, it just continues to evolve every day. In a nutshell. (laughs)
0: That's a lot of things.
2: Wow. (laughs) I'm impressed.
0: (laughs) But uh, can we backtrack a little bit? I just, I wanted to start off with maybe you talking to us about your sabbatical that's happening in New Zealand. Can you tell us a little, like, what what's the sabbatical, what's, what's going on? Why are you there?
2: Yeah, so <laughs> I think it started about a year ago, um, living and working in the Bay Area, as you, 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 you know, even in LA, you know, it's just a very fast-paced environment. Um, I loved the team that I was on and the mission that we were driving towards um, centering a clean economy within large corporations. So basically mm-hmm. working with nice. the companies that have the most area for opportunity for sustainability initiatives. Um, and I was working business development for them, which was an amazing experience. Um, I think though, you know, the opportunity presented itself to quit our job, sell everything that we had, um, and just take a year off and really use that time to, you know, do the things that we always say we're going to do, read more, take Mm -hmm. some classes, you know, whatever it is, um, kind of just for me being outside, I'm a huge climber. So, um, and hiker. So that's basically, you know, why we, why we made the move. Um, and so far, yeah, it's been an amazing experience. And then COVID hit, um, we right. ended up renting a house I, um, in Queenstown with eight other international travelers, which was a whole nother experience <laughs> doing lockdown, wow. with right. just strangers. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of just really just having the goal to be expanding my interest and really focusing on things I'm passionate about. Um, so that's indigenous um, ampl- amplification. Um, and luckily I've been able to do that work remotely, as well as just learn about the Maori people here who are the indigenous people of New Zealand.
0: Wow, I learned something new. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. How long? Yeah, so... Sorry, Melissa, I just was wondering, how, when did you When did you get there? How long do you still have?
2: Yeah, so we trip? got mm-hmm. here January 1st, so we spent New Year's on the plane. And oh. we, yeah, uh, January 1st, and we our visa is up in December 31st so wow we have... a
0: full full-on year
2: calendar yeah. year
0: wow okay that's so cool sorry okay i was just curious like how long your trip is going to be for when and when you come back where are you going to be based
2: um probably in denver actually that's where my mom is um oh. depending on okay. where we get jobs back um in the states i fair probably will be remote again i feel like offices mm-hmm. are closed and all of that so probably denver yeah. which is fine i love mountains so yeah that's awesome
1: i think a lot of people are in that environment, like myself and Vanessa, where we're we're working all the time and we're in this environment that fosters that type of hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's nice to hear that there are people out there like you that are taking the opportunity to just, I don't want to say slow down, but maybe it is to just really enjoy, you know, you've worked for a number of years, done all of that, and now you're taking that time for yourself a year to do all of the things that you Probably we're always saying, like, I want to do that or I hope to do that someday. So that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Something to strive for. Yeah, Honestly, <laughs> I'm
2: like, wow, you're my new hero. I know. <laughs> There's never a good time. But- like, we've, we've been, my partner and I have been um, talking about this forever, you know, the past yeah. five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always, oh, it's not a good time, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z. And And finally, we're just like, you know what? We looked at the visa process for New Zealand. It's super easy. It's beautiful here. And we're like, you know what? We just got to do yeah. it. Just do it. Wow. Okay. Cool. I love that. There's never
0: a good time. No, you're right. There really isn't because there's always an excuse not to do it, right? As yeah. much as you want right. to.
1: Right. Me and me and Vanessa were just excited that we, we actually are planning our, a little week retreat for ourselves. In-
0: we're so excited to go to a different house to stay inside <laughs> again and do work. <laughs>
1: right we're staycation working from home because we're remote right now and we're going to be in on a ranch in you know in california still but you know we are so excited to just change our environment at that very least level okay
2: you know what you got to do what you got to do i love it right okay so
1: let's talk about your work as a clean tech and sustainability professional so what inspired you to go into that type of work in the first place
2: um yeah so that's a good question um I think, I think it goes all the way back to where I was born, which is Flagstaff, Arizona, Four Corners area, um, where my family still lives on the Navajo Reservation. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really picky about my time and like my career paths and job opportunities. And people ask me, you know, why, why are you so picky? Um, and I think it really goes back to like my earliest childhood experiences on the Navajo reservation with my grandmother and great grandmother and extended family, um, of, mm-hmm. you know, being on the land where my family's lived traditionally for, you know, hundreds thousands of years. Um, yeah. you know, we'd ride horses, we'd haul water, um, herd sheep. Uh, my grandmother is a traditional Navajo uh, weaver. And I think it's really during these times, this time that, a seed was planted in in my mind and heart, and um, really to value land and see its true worth and cultural significance. So it's time spent there, time spent outdoors, that really drives my work to protect land and the natural environment, mm-hmm. um, reclaiming that identity with land, and hopefully helping others to do the same. So where my that story kind of breaks off into this like really um, you know kind of uh, unique path that i've chosen is getting involved in tech which is oftentimes i'm the only woman at the table um person of color um right n- not to say like the only indigenous person in the room yeah. um so my my work began began in denver working for a nonprofit um working to install renewable energy and energy efficiency upgrades to low income housing so that's, oh, that's kind awesome. of where my Interest started to blossom, and then I started to realize sustainability as a career was a thing, right? <laughs> um, and also just um, something that the future is green, you know. And being part of of that growing movement was really exciting to me, and it, it's still exciting to me right now. Um, so it progressed. I was an avid reader of all the clean tech newsletters. There was this publication by GreenBiz, um, and one day I said you know what I wonder where they're based and I wonder if they're hiring and they were and they were based in Oakland where my partner just happened to have gotten a job and he was going to be moving there and everything kind of just worked out and that's when my love of solving for the clean economy really started to hit stride. It is a huge huge messy problem that um, the world faces right now, let alone the U- United States, of how we move forward in a sustainable and equitable um, manner. And solving for the clean economy within the corporate world um, is a whole nother ballgame of, you know, there's so many things you can talk about within I was going to say
1: to do corporate, to attack, like attack it from like a corporate angle is interesting because a lot of that the issues do come from these large corporations right so it's interesting to be able to have like an inside strategy yeah to do that
2: it's awesome yeah and it's it's kind of it's you know another uncomfortable kind of conversation is you know these are all big companies that we love to hate and but we also use every day um yeah. And it's 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 really interesting to have those conversations, um, you know, on some level, these are the biggest polluters, the biggest carbon emitters, um, but also if we right. can get them even to change a small percentage of their global operations or the way that they procure renewable energy or their EVs or materials, you name it, um, it it's a huge a impact. So, um, you know during my work like I've had to work with companies I do not agree with and I do not support like in my daily life but they are going to exist and um, trying to get them to commit um, externally to the public with sustainability or renewable energy goals or whatever it is that's Mm -hmm. actually really impactful.
0: Wow it's kind of crazy to hear you say that even a small change for them it's such a big impact overall. And also, I just want to note that even though you don't agree with these companies or it might make you uncomfortable to work you know, with them, that you're seeing the greater purpose behind working with them to get to this overall greater good. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. fascinating.
1: I feel like that's, that's a very powerful position to be in because mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to influence and, you know, raise that awareness from within that industry. And like you mentioned, being able to convince these, you know, probably systems that have been in place for so many decades to just shift a little bit and to have that much impact, that's, that's powerful Mm -hmm. to be able to convince these corporations that being sustainable or having sustainable practices and policies is actually beneficial for their business Mm -hmm. I think that's actually really 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 impactful and cool yeah i sensing kind of a
0: trend here Shandine (laughs) (laughs) with you uh, trying to motivate people to change and
2: (laughs) I you know what I sense that that theme as well and and a lot of people don't want to change (laughs) sometimes you just have to accept oh yeah. yeah
0: Absolutely true. Well, you also mentioned earlier, and I do want to get into this more um, because we did some research on it and it sounded so fascinating to us. And it's something, honestly, that I think Melissa and I had never thought about, but the Rural Utah Project. Mm -hmm. um, Can you tell us a little bit more about like that organization? Why are you so passionate about the work that you do there? Sounds like maybe also changing some minds going on on that end too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my, my day job was kind of the top down approach of like forcing companies to do what is needed. Um, and to be fair, some of them are well in their way and actually want to do it. Um, and then from the Mm -hmm. grassroots side, rural Utah project is kind of that ground up nonprofit work that I just, it's just so, so good for your soul to do that sort of work as well. Um, yeah, so I, we, through natives outdoors, we had this partnership with the rural Utah project to get the native vote out. Um, and then they needed some extra help to, um, Manage that process. So that's the work I've been doing just for the past couple of months um, in the lead up mm-hmm. to the election. But it is mm. um, focused on Arizona, which, um, interestingly enough, last night through a last second court battle case um, decided yesterday was their um, Arizona voter registration deadline. The court announced that they're extending that to October 23rd. Um, we're still like there's oh, wow. like a tiny chance that the um, certain political um, party will try to fight that. But um, right. it's yeah, it's just like really interesting. Arizona is a huge battleground state. And mm-hmm. so it's just been um, really just working to try to get registrations in. Um, I think last month there was 53,000 new registrations and opening that up a a month another month is huge so we've just been trying to make that case of why 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 it seems like your voice doesn't matter that's exactly why you should vote (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and voting's the only one of the tools in your tool belt that you should be using during the year to incite impact so um yeah don't pass it up I'm just
1: genuinely curious. So I know that you're you're based in New, Zeal- New Zealand
2: right now. Mm-hmm. So has
1: all of this outreach been through oh, like phone calls, emails? Question. How have you been doing the outreach? Because I'm assuming that typically um, rural project or Utah project is usually in person, like you would want to go and talk to these people in more of like a one-on-one basis or like house to house or home to home situation so how have you been you said for a couple of months now so it's all been remote for you for this whole project yeah so
2: the way I understand it is that there's an on the grounds in the field team that is doing that work okay um and Uh yeah and it's been kind of tricky because obviously with COVID the face-to-face interaction and face-to-face registration has been really problem like really difficult (sighs) yeah um but there is a team working on that making sure that you know the different chapter houses different uh, polling locations have the information that they need and generally Mm -hmm. just trying to orient around that on my side Mm -hmm. I just manage like a hundred um people who are Active community members, influencers on social media, whoever they may be, giving them the tools, the dates, the resources to go out and talk to their um, communities and follow and reach. Yeah. So um, it's just, you know, we got a grant to help do that work. Um, so it's really mm-hmm. just about spreading that information, word of mouth, online, on my side, the digital, digital, digital outreach side. side. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned earlier in your intro that um, there are some people who maybe don't want to participate in voting because it's traditionally not a system that has benefited for benefited them, worked for them. Uh, are, are there other reasons why people aren't necessarily wanting to vote, especially Indigenous people? Or can you help us understand that more?
2: Um, I think there's a lot of different um, reasons. And, yeah, it, it becomes a tough situation, especially depending on where you sit on the political spectrum you'll have different Mm -hmm. excuses or excuses quote-unquote air quotes Mm -hmm. um um but i think in general you know we we actually produced this um voter outreach video that was really well done um and we're no we're moderating all the comments in capturing the reach of that and just reading some of the comments has been really interesting most people are on board they realize that minority voices indigenous voices you know brown voices in general really have a stake one in filling out the census this year which everyone should do um and then two participating Mm -hmm. in this election um but yes there are some folks who I think it's just honestly like exhaustion with the system and um, you know, they probably have participated in the past and nothing's happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And the more we learn about, you know, the systems of white supremacy and um, colonial Mm -hmm. imperialism, Mm -hmm. how that's affecting our society today. I think it's easy to, yeah, just like throw your hands up and you know, say what's the point and and to an extent I get it. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. just not that person to like throw my hands up and go without a fight.
0: So just think that lends perfectly to our next question. Melissa, if you want to ask it.
2: Yeah.
1: So we did mention at the start of the episode, um, we did want to get your perspective on it. Um, We brought up the issue of Columbus Day versus Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm -hmm. So growing up, we learned that Christopher Columbus was this great explorer. We learned that 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue or whatever. And it seems like we've only recently begun to shift our awareness in terms of a community towards the Indigenous perspective to history especially here in the United States so I just wanted to ask like what has your experience with this issue has been because this is something at least for me and Vanessa we went to the same elementary school and I remember you know celebrating not celebrating but we acknowledged this day you know no let's call it
0: what it is dude let's call it what it is we celebrated this day because it was like a holiday and we were taught like that this is a great guy. I guess... You know?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, what, what's your experience been with that?
2: Yeah, so I think it can be, um, it can cause tension, obviously, and there's a debate out there between states. Right. No, and I, and I think 12 states have sanctioned Indigenous People's Day over Columbus Days, and, um, you know, the Italian population sometimes feel like they're being attacked by that mm. um yes. which mm-hmm. i don't want to you know say that that's right or if it's in that way that's not that's not the that what we want at all um right i think though obviously i'm i love the conversation around people indigenous people's day just because it's another avenue for people to understand american history <laughs> um and right. that columbus did not discover the Americas, um, Mm -hmm. North America or Central America. Um, there's a vibrant indigenous community here then and today. And, and and people just don't understand that or they don't think about that. And I think it's just another, it's a great way to have that conversation. And so I just use it as a way to like, talk about that history. Like, why do we speak English? You know, why do why mm-hmm. why does Central America speak Spanish and, and, and Portuguese and these Eastern European languages? Um, let's think about that. And what else, you know, why is it problematic to celebrate someone who did bring slavery and disease and genocide mm-hmm. to, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, in my area, North America, which is the United States and Canada? Um, And I don't think glossing over that does anyone any justice, especially when we're in this time in history when we need so much healing. Like, and so oh just glossing over that just doesn't do anyone justice. That's not to say that you you can't be an Italian American and have that heritage and um, story about, you know, that side of things. It's just... Right. The, the facts and history just need to be need to be there and out. Um,
1: highlighted. Highlighted. Just as much as that other side of the coin, you know, mm-hmm. like there is to get that full picture of what history, the true history of all of this is. Yeah. It's yeah. So you see it as an opportunity. I think that's cool.
2: Yeah. And and I there was an, an interesting comparison of like in China and Japan, you know, there is no Marco Polo Day. There's there's no you know, they yeah. you know, Marco Polo came and tried to, you know, do the same thing in, in Asia and they failed and they weren't able to conquer those societies. And so mm-hmm. they don't they don't celebrate Marco Polo Day. It's just this person that tried to come in and, and influence them. But right. the story in the Americas is much different and it's just that we just need to acknowledge that and internalize that and then maybe that will help people understand why there is so much continued trauma with Indigenous communities and so so many right. issues today. Yeah.
0: I honestly think it's a little uh, embarrassing. Well, for me, it's a little embarrassing personally to admit that even, what, six years ago, I didn't think so heavily about Columbus Day. And it just was not brought to my attention. I wasn't thinking critically. It Just like, because it wasn't an issue that our community necessarily was facing immediately, it was not something that I chose to do research in. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. I had to teach my kids in my class. I taught fourth and fifth grade um, about the missions and mm-hmm. that whole thing about California yeah. being settled and then Christopher Columbus and all that history that uh, my co-teacher and I were like, you know, cause she, she was also Filipino like me. So another Brown girl and we were like, wait a minute, you know, we were taught in a really Catholic way that like, Oh, they came to spread the word of God and, me bring it to the people. Like, it's this gift. Oh, my God! But, but again,
1: like, glossing over the yeah, trauma. Yeah, the slavery, and... the disease,
0: yeah. the murders. Like, yeah. So it, it was just interesting when we were trying to teach our kids, we, we had them do a debate, and we gave them, like, here are all the things that happened. One side has to debate that Columbus was a great explorer. The other has to debate that he was not, um, and that he was, like, a murderer and all these things. And the kids had some pretty interesting perspectives, and it kind of makes me think and wish that when we were growing up, We also kind of had, yeah, that, like, what Melissa was saying earlier, that, like, two sides of the issue where Mm -hmm. we could really understand. Explorer, yes, but maybe also not just the explorer side.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was an incredibly successful at what his objectives were. Like, there's no, (laughs) there's no um, saying otherwise. Um, It's just, unfortunately, he, his group, everything that followed after um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. set in motion and also another part of that is is realizing how we we think about 1492 and that's a long time ago right yeah but i think too it's it's helpful to remember that that reverberates into present day and it's really not that long ago that you know my my dinette people the navajo people it was not that long ago that they were in those mission boarding schools. Like my grandmother, you can see the remains of her school still on the Navajo Reservation wow. where she um, and her classmates, you know, endured horrendous things to, to you know, get the redskin person out of you and save, I forget right. the, the saying, you know, save the person, get rid of the Indian. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That was such a thing. Yeah. So. That was like the thing. It's not <sighs> like people you know think oh it's it's in the past like forget about it we can't do anything about it like no it's like like it's two still a- grandmas <laughs> ago
1: you know two generations <laughs> ago yeah because you, if you think about it that way it really does you know that timeline tends to seem not that long because if you think about it in generations and it's literally you just said your grandmother yeah Well,
0: so did you grow up hearing stories about that or like, you know, what was the conversation on your end about those kinds of things that happened?
2: So, yeah, my grandmother never talked about it. Wow. And it wasn't until the past like five years when I, probably 10 years, where I have actively you know as you get older you you actually care about your family and you want to like know about the history and like as a kid right, you're right, just right. you know yeah. whatever doing other things but you're just existing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i and i started asking my mom and and my dad and about these things and she's never said anything about it um she's a unique hmm. woman and that she's very traditional in some ways but she has been christianized so she does have you know that's just how it happens um And there's nothing wrong with that it gives her peace to have that understanding but she also like marries it with traditional understanding which is a whole nother interesting topic um but i mean there's stories of you know you were punished for using you know speaking in your language and that's right just horrible um and then also Mm -hmm. um you know um, the sterilization of indigenous women um and you know cutting their hair you can't practice your traditional ways all of that um mm-hmm. and my like, kids died trying to run away from these boarding schools um so it's oh. i only I, i've only really heard the stories from my dad and my aunts and uncles um because they you know they were growing up as kids in in that in that scenario
0: yeah well, i i just really appreciate wow. that you put that in perspective for us and for our listeners when you say you know my dad, my aunt, my uncle—that makes it so much more real than a black and white picture in some random history book that you have to yeah read and listen to. And also,
2: there, there—it wasn't really—it wasn't that long ago too that they were still living off the land. Like my grandmother's land right now still doesn't have running water. Like wow. she herded sheep and li- and has mm-hmm. lived there her entire life. Um, and my great grandmother who passed away, um, about five years ago, um, mm-hmm. she—I mean she rode her horse and you know was in the cornfield and she literally was living off the land and like yeah. um and that was you know not that long ago so um all of this change is just happening at a pace that um some people within indigenous communities are having a really hard time um dealing with mm-hmm
0: Uh, Speaking of living off the land and and all those kinds of things on your Instagram, you actually specifically cite that you're dedicated to elevating the voices of indigenous people, justice and sustainability, and you added outdoors. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you know, why are those causes so important to you? Maybe why so much the outdoors as part of that aspect?
2: Yeah, that that kind of speaks more to the um, natives outdoors work that I've been Mm. doing. Um, And basically, it's you know, elevating and celebrating and amplifying native and indigenous people in the outdoor industry. So what does that look like? Um, there's the social media side of that is just really trying to get people to reclaim the outdoors. Um, Mm -hmm. and in doing that, reclaiming their identity and cultural heritage. Um, there is so much to be learned from the different indigenous cultures um and let's not forget there's 574 different tribes just in the united states um wow, yeah. and we're, we're all different you know there are some similarities but i can't when i talk about these things i'm more mm-hmm. talking about the navajo people mm-hmm. and you know the language the culture it's land-based you can't really understand the Navajo language without understanding its connection to the examples it uses from land, landmarks, the plants, the animals, the air, like um, so, reconnecting with that is so important to cultural preservation, yeah. um, the ceremonies, the just the the culture. Um, so in that work, we're hoping to like revitalize that. Growing up, like. For me, it was not cool. Like, I didn't think it was cool to be brown. It was not cool to be a native mm-hmm. person. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just hope right. that the work that we do makes it to where you're proud of who you are um, and being okay with how you look. And then also taking the next step of like, you know what, Let's, let us let me learn about my language and my culture. Um, we also do outdoor brand partnerships, which is really cool. Um, and right. like tribal consultation. That's really inspiring
1: to hear. It's it's almost like you were just saying earlier that you're talking about the, these stories, you know, your grandmother never talked about, but you heard via your uncle, your aunts, things like that. It's kind of all word of mouth. And, and then the history books say something completely different. And this is something that you're doing with Native Outdoors, Natives Outdoors, you know, working to preserve, to preserve that the culture and kind of have this new generation of indigenous people recognize acknowledge the history celebrate their their heritage and culture and mm-hmm. then reclaim it I love that uh-huh. word like reclaim it that's really amazing so tying this back to the inspiration behind this episode again me and Vanessa recognize that we still have a lot to learn about indigenous communities not Not in the way that we've learned about them in our history classes, but about the issues that these communities currently currently face today. So how can people and you kind of touched on this already, but if you want to go into it a little bit more, how can people be more comfortable with educating themselves about the experience of indigenous peoples and indigenous communities, not only here in the United States, but like on a global level of just indigenous peoples in in general? Yeah
2: man that's that's a really like fraud big topic but i know uh, i think i think there's a couple of things so especially for non-native mm-hmm. folks i think step 1 is understanding the true history of the land we all work live and play on all of it mm-hmm. is stolen land and has both you know beautiful beautiful history behind it as well as things that just need to be understood so that's number one, there's plethora mm-hmm. of, you know, just Google, you know, resources, resources. out there. Um, one book in particular is a peop- uh, An Indigenous Peoples' History of the United States by Roxanne Van Bar-O- ortiz I believe her last name is. Um, I highly recommend that, that. It gives a really interesting perspective. And that's just, honestly, just a great read. Two, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, understanding that we're still here, <laughs> too that sounds like a silly one no, but, but yeah I literally had a conversation with a guy before I left um in the bay area that I, I told him and oh. that I was um a native person and he he I it was weird he, I think he was joking he said that that's not possible like you guys are extinct so there are still people who just things it's in the back in the wild west history you know whatever um right. acknowledging that we're still here you know, we are, um, two or three, I think understanding the hurdles that native communities face today. Um, and then four, understanding that we have a lot to offer too, like, Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of time, trusted wisdom, um, on a lot of different topics, specifically land use, sustainability, artistry. Mm -hmm. Um, so we actually have a lot of lot to offer, um, as well those are all great
1: (laughs) advice pieces literally numbered out for (laughs) everyone listening (laughs) here today Uh, starting off with making sure that we have the internet in our hands people we have a lot of resources available to us and just maybe swapping out 10 minutes 15 minutes of your scrolling a day maybe to do a little bit of research about the indigenous communities and that history of, of not only our country, but, you know, the Americas mm-hmm. in general, of the fact that all of this is stolen land. But I know, again, I appreciate you sharing your perspective with us. And Vanessa, did you want to? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, I, I'm just feeling really lucky that you agreed to come on our show and talk to us. <laughs> uh, I know you reached out to you randomly. <laughs> like hey, uh, But I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I've, I think, learned a lot just by talking to you about your experience and I'm really motivated to learn more so thank you for that and thank you for being here and sharing your perspective with us so if if our listeners want to you know learn more about your work follow you where can they find you
2: yeah I think the best spot um is just instagram for me at shandine with S H A A A N D I I I N, so three a's three i's um and then also (laughs) natives-outdoors.com or um, the rural utah project.org um, those are all awesome places and yeah connected yes. i'd love to hear from people
0: great well if you're listening and you're interested in following shandine and her work and maybe those other uh, platforms like the rural utah project um, definitely follow her there or follow those platforms um, and thank you again shandine so much for joining us we really appreciate you taking the time out
2: of your sabbatical awesome <laughs> yeah (laughs) got to get back to my van life
1: (laughs) that's so awesome is there anything else that you wanted to say before we officially sign Um, off today
2: oh maybe just make sure to make sure your friends and families are registered to vote (laughs) yes there you go
0: there it is
2: (laughs) and and make your Mm -hmm. your voting plan yeah Mm -hmm. definitely right Okay, great.
1: Thank you again, Shandine, for being here with us. And thank you all for listening to our show today. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate us and leave us a comment. You can also follow us on Spotify and at Instagram Instagram at I'muncomfortable.podcast. We release new episodes every Tuesday. And next week, we expose some lies about the adulthood experience that just like us, you might have believed while growing up. So we'll talk to you then. Bye.